Welcome, Hubsters, to the Performance Hub podcast. We have a very special guest uh, with us today, our first inaugural guest, elite strength coach Aaron. Hey, Aaron. Discussing all things body composition. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Hope you enjoy. We are live from Melbourne, Australia. From Melbourne, Australia. Bringing you the Performance Hub podcast. Strap yourself in as we explore the world of human performance. No BS, no hidden agenda, just real world applicable information to help you optimize your human performance. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Coach Max and Carl. Recording. All righty. We are live. How are you, man? Good, buddy. Yourself? Yeah, good, good. Yeah. Uh, so we've got a few topics to discuss this morning around recomping, I guess, body composition changes, etc. Um, but before we get into that, we may as well start with a bit of an introduction. Uh, so why don't you give the listeners a bit of a rundown of who you are and what you do? I am a nobody. Now, uh, my name is Aaron. <laughs> uh, Elite Strength Coach on Instagram, and it seems to be that most people that meet me off Instagram just call me Elite Strength Coach. They don't actually know my name. It's Aaron. Which I is didn't even know your name was Aaron. Which is literally under the title. It's like Elite Strength Coach Aaron. <laughs> That's great. Right. There's worst names to be called. That's so good. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, right. Uh, work online predominantly as a recomp slash powerlifting slash strength slash rehab slash nutrition coach <laughs> so basically all, m- most forms of coaching that you can do online i kind of do um yeah specialize mostly now in um, nutrition recomposition and powerlifting to be honest awesome awesome yeah, uh, and then background wise if you give us i guess a brief synopsis of like how you got started in the industry and yeah. kind of what got you to this point yeah, so um, actually started way back. My dad had asked me, when, I think most parents ask when you're 17, 18 years old, oh, what do you want to do with your life? And I'm like, well, you know, stock standard answer, I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, dad turned around and said, well, what don't you want to do? And that sort of got me going um, on the, the path that I'm on. So I realized that, like I worked office jobs nine to five, realized I didn't want to do that. Um, went to uni, studied, uh, did exercise science, uh, exercise phys, and then decided to open my own gym and I was sort of like well this is cool having my own gym but obviously being as you guys would know quite stressful (laughs) Um, I think being a bit younger at the time I was 24 25 when I opened my first facility so uh, did it backwards shouldn't have opened it when I did but I did it Um, then sold out and decided to basically work online got a job at RBT uh, through one of my old clients um, she basically, I basically got to walk into the job, which was handy. And it was kind of nice getting a weekly, if not fortnightly wage. And I was like, well, this is a pleasant change yeah. um, after, after four or five years of being self-employed. And then as I was working at IBT, I built my online business and now we're here. Really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Sounds good. And I think you said it at the start, like, I think maybe, you know, the Instagram handle elite strength coach is probably to blame for this. And people maybe think of you um, as being more in that powerlifting realm, whereas yeah. I would probably say if it was like, what does Aaron specialise in? It's probably like body composition for strength athletes, more so yeah. than just powerlifting these days. Would that be like yeah. accurate? 
Yeah, so I think when I first started, I mean, um, my skill set was a little bit more limited. So it was predominantly rehabilitation. That's what I worked in. And then from rehab, I had quite a few clients get quite strong purely through rehabilitation processes and that sort of stuff. And then um, they basically turned around to me and asked, well, you know, how do I express this strength? Like we have this strength now, like what can we do with it? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, why don't we just try a powerlifting comp considering it's three movements or three, three lifts, three attempts. It's pretty stock standard, pretty straightforward. And they're like, yeah, cool. Let's try that. And that's where it sort of blossomed for my powerlifting side of um, coaching. But then I think, as you guys know, as a coach, you always want to upskill. You don't want to be sort of either stuck or left behind, um, so then I just started adding things to my, you know, to my toolkit over time, uh, added nutrition, added some uh, supplement knowledge and that sort of stuff. And then from there, as you sort of said, it moved into composition and then uh, more so weight specific uh, categories. So it's like my nutrition uh, knowledge went to weight categories for sports, whether it was strongman or powerlifting. So, you know, 24 hour and two hour weights. So um, just, yeah, basically utilizing nutrition for performance and then also weight management. So it sort of just obviously happened organically as well over time. Did you find that you sort of got not niched into a certain area, but you were sort of the guy to come to for this sort of area in terms of recomposition? Uh, I, I don't know if I'm the guy to go to. There's plenty of uh, smarter yeah. people than me when it comes to recomp and that sort of stuff. Um, sorry, I think I just moved more into with my lifters having to make weight for their competitions. And then from there, I was able to advertise it a little bit and they actually yeah. did the advertising for me. So I'm very fortunate that my clients sort of promoted me in a sense, cause I'm normally pretty quiet. Um, they basically did the work for me. And then people came to me for nutrition for like powerlifting or strongman, knowing that they had to make a weight class. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. awesome. Um, so what we like to do on these podcasts, before we get into any heavy <laughs> topics, we like to flip things on its head. We start Go off on. with a what? bit of a lighthearted uh, start to the to the episode. So we've got a series of questions here that we're going to sure. do in a speed round. Okay. <laughs> the key is don't think too much about it. I'll do my Quick best. answer, first thought in your head. You just go with that. Wait, so, before, before we start, how rude are we allowed to be right now? <laughs> uh, we're, pretty, we're pretty well on census. So ah, okay, sweet. We're, we're <laughs> we can uh, throw in a beep here and there if you like. But, uh, yeah, the whole thing here is obviously you're giving it your coaches by the story, but this gets to the core of a, of a person. So just rapid fire, because it is our podcast, we can stop the clock at any point and delve a little bit into an answer that you give us. So let's do it, mate. So first question, pancakes or crepes? Pancakes. Nice. Chinese or Thai takeaway? Thai. Uh, we'll stop the clock. Do you have a go-to Thai meal if you are uh, in takeaway? Yeah, normally pad to you, which is like a soy sauce noodle yeah. type scenario chicken. Delicious, or um, yeah. good old-fashioned pad thai, prawn though. It has to be prawn. Oh, yeah. I like my prawn pad thai, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, clock back on. Squat or deadlift? Ooh, deadlift. Deadlift, nice. You've got a pretty solid deadlift as well. Once upon a time, I don't know about any more. <laughs> uh, well, this is a beer or wine. Yep, yeah. Beer, perfect. Uh, okay, this is a really good one. Fold, crunch, or combination of both? Fold. Fold, fantastic. I'm a methodical man. <laughs> yeah, you're all about efficiency, I get that. That's yeah, great. Yeah. Next one, cats or dogs? Dogs. Dogs. And last one here, pizzas or burgers? Ooh, yeah. uh, burgers, probably. That, that's a tough one. That burgers tough at one. the moment. I feel like it's seasonal. Uh, you know, ask me in a couple of months, it'll probably be pizza. But at the moment, it's burgers. It's true. You go through like just phases of, yeah. yeah. I, I literally had I literally had grilled last night for dinner and I had Macca's breakfast 
yesterday. So I had burgers twice. That's what I'm going off. Literally what I'm going off of Mike burgers. Yeah, burgers last night. So burgers has to be. Yeah, wow. fantastic. Well, that is rapid fire, mate. Thanks for playing. Thank you. <laughs> um, all righty. So we'll roll into the actual topic of the day. So what we wanted to get you on to talk about is obviously those body composition changes. So we've done a lot of strength athletes. You've done a lot of gem pop. Um, so I think if we first go through, you know, when people in the fitness industry, is it, you know, your buzzword, your transformation. Yep. Like in your mind, what does that word transformation mean and like what do you think is a more accurate way to describe what we're trying to achieve yeah so for me i think trans well transformation is obviously taking something that's what it is and changing it into something else right um i think in the fitness industry most people would assume uh transformation being bigger to smaller no one ever really thinks about smaller to bigger um which is still you know in itself a transformation because you're changing its original state so for me, that's what transformation would be in terms of fitness. I think most people thinking go big, get lean versus get lean or already be lean and get bigger. Yeah, nice, nice. So with that, I mean, when we think about it in the fitness industry, you see a lot of these kind of eight-week uh, challenges, 16-week, 12-week, all that kind of stuff, which I know is not something you're really aligned with. So when we talk about, I guess, transformation, like or improving body composition, which we'll now talk about. When it comes to recomposition, like what mm -hmm. do you view, like how much do you think is truly attainable for people in terms of that, you know, that old saying, like can we build muscle and drop body fat at the same time? Yep. So first off, do you think it's possible? And then also, do you think it's a good um, thing to try and do? Um, it's definitely possible. Uh, it's been shown in the research as of uh, late as well, a couple of weeks ago, another paper dropped uh, on recomposition in uh, more elite athletes. And it was shown that even at the uh, elite level or more elite level, uh, you can still add muscle while dropping body fat at the same time. It's just not obviously um, very efficient or very effective, but it's there. So it's statistically significant. Uh, do I agree with doing it? in that way not really uh, it depends on the person so i guess it's always going to be it depends because it's going to be uh, context-based yeah definitely like that makes a lot of sense um and i think you know in terms of that research as well because i think another paper you're talking about like you said it as well like it's been shown in elite level athletes yeah. so it's like how applicable is that going to be to yeah sub-elite level athletes, but then also just general population gym goers, like should they really be trying to go, oh, let's try and, uh, I guess, have your cake and eat it too, or should we be focusing on one goal at a time and just going yeah. harder in that one direction? Yeah, well, like I said, I think it's more context-based. If you have a, a client or a potential client that comes on and they're sort of, let's say, obese to morbidly obese and they show that their biomarkers are, are quite unhealthy, well, as a coach, the health is going to come first. So it's not whether they're bigger or smaller, it's purely health. And normally when you're trying to look after a client's health, uh, they tend to get leaner, lighter, they drop global weight and that sort of thing. So it's just, yeah, like I said, context dependent, man. But um, I think for most gen pop that have never really trained, uh, especially newbies that have never trained, the, the novel stimulus of training gives you that recomp anyway. So you end up dropping body fat as well as potentially adding lean tissue at the same time now 
the ratios are very skewed and obviously again person dependent but at the same time i mean the weights on the scale may not move but you see their pants size gets smaller their t-shirts fit better um and that's what traditional recomp really is right yeah yeah so with that like when the window of their ability to adapt is getting shortened what are the main i guess considerations that you look at trying manipulating yeah so uh, man for me i tend to run uh the stimulus for as long as we can right like i want to push until it's end goal um i think with myself personally the guys that i work with they're all trained athletes or they're all trained before we won't won't call them athletes they're powerlifters they don't count as athletes (laughs) i mean i mean i know max does some cardio so we'll call him a semi-athlete he's he's um, getting the the strides out but um yeah i think with you know using let's say you're going to use someone like Max as an example, like he's trained a long time, like he's trained for at least yeah. 10 years, plus, you know, teenage years training in just good old fashioned sport, whether it's footy, soccer, cricket, tennis. Um, these all play a part in, in the stimulus that you're potentially going to bring on with weights training. Um, if you have, as a junior, if you have a predisposition to like power sports, if you're, you know, doing plyometrics and that sort of stuff, you're a sprinter and all that, yeah. this changes, um, the direction that you go in as you get older when it comes to weight training just because you've already had that adaptive stimulus in the past yeah most people don't seem to have that in terms of gen pop and it seems to be from an anecdotal uh, perspective the older you get and the longer you take to train the more novel that stimulus becomes again even if you've already trained in the past so it's like Mm -hmm. it's quite interesting in that aspect but again i haven't looked at any research to back that up that's purely just perspective yeah that's a great, I think that leads on to like the whole idea that maybe we, because you, you have a stimulus for so long and you, you want to make sure that like, you're adapting to that, but are we too quick to change that if we're not getting the results? And it's like, right. well, how long do we wait until it's like I've plateaued? Yeah. But it's like yeah. we haven't broken through yet. Exactly right. And I think that's um, one of those things in terms of uh, like training programs, for example, like I used to run programs and basically program every four weeks. And it's like we'd keep the main movements the same, but then we'd also change the uh, accessories every yeah. sort of four weeks and then i started playing around with it again and then i'm um, also having my coach it, it made me think why am i changing the accessories so frequently when the adaptive uh, stimulus hasn't actually well it hasn't actually taken adaptation like it makes zero sense to me and i'm like it, yeah. yeah and i'm like hold on this is stupid i'm i'm actually giving myself more work <laughs> i'm like wait you know i i maybe that's maybe because you know i'm being paid as a coach and i need to give more yeah. um maybe I'm in saying. my head i'm not sure but then i was like well no nah, they're coming to me to trust me. So it's like, let me run my programs the way I'm programming and you'll see the change. And it seemed to have worked better with six weeks, eight weeks, and then just manipulating sets and reps or intensities and that sort of stuff um, versus actually changing the exercises themselves. Yeah. So how does that, from a nutritional point of view, so from a, you know, body composition, if we've got a specific goal, the same principle apply like actually have definitely. allowing enough time for to see yeah definitely um when i get a, a client on board like um i've had a couple of new ones jump on i tell them that the first sort of three to four weeks that first month block is just trying to work out true maintenance because i i don't control if i get them for nutrition only which um, i've actually scrapped finally but when i have them nutrition only i can't control their output mm-hmm. so or you know have an idea of what their actual output is so if i'm not programming them i can't see what it is that they're actually doing and you know they might say to me yeah i'm working out and it's intense but if i'm not programming then i don't know how intense their version of intense is <laughs> they yeah, might correct. think that's you know an, an eight out of ten and i'm looking at the train it's like you're not training that's a three out of ten like what are you doing man <laughs> so and this is why and this is why things don't move in terms of the scale or body fat or clothing sizes and it's like well 
I need to control your output more. That's when I start to bring in things like steps and all that sort of stuff, just to give me an idea of uh, how much I can gauge their output. And then that way I can make nutritional changes. Yeah, perfect. And that makes a lot of sense as well. And I think for a lot of people, when it comes to the nutritional side of the equation, like we're so quick, especially like gen pop people who not only do they not have that experience, like even as a trained person or if you, like I know you coach coaches, I coach coaches, everybody coaches coaches, even coaches have freak out moments when something doesn't yeah. work in like 24 hours, right? Yeah. You can amplify that with somebody who doesn't have the knowledge. And, you know, if they step on the scales, it's like after a week, oh, I haven't lost any weight. It's like, yeah, that doesn't automatically mean that we need to change everything under the sun. Like it could be, like you said, changing one small variable or it could equally be changing absolutely nothing because we just need to give it more than one week to work. Exactly right. And then you start looking at, if you really want to get like technical, you start looking at the differences between just male and female. And then it's like that throws it out the window. 100%. I think that's a really good thing to touch on, like, I like to say now to any female clients you get, like, unfortunately, everything is going to be harder for you. Like, as a male, it's like, look, if you clean up your diet and you train reasonably hard, generally to a certain point, you're going to get good results. And also, you can go harder without any negative repercussions, really, unless you get to an extreme level. Whereas a female, it's like, listen, you've got a bucket load more hormonal changes to consider. Yeah. Uh, your weight is going to fluctuate much more. And unfortunately, there's much more variables at play. So yeah. we need to be aware of those types of things as well. Yeah, I think with um, females, for me, the the ones that come on and want to be like lean and then they, you know, try to compare to, you know, into the say Instagram models and all this mm -hmm. sort of crap. Um, it's sort of like, you can't fight your biology. Your biology is for reproduction. Like we don't reproduce in the way you do. <laughs> so we can afford to get leaner and, you know, go through the repercussions of getting leaner and handle them better than what a female would. Um, it's just how it is. Blame whatever you want to blame evolution jesus whoever you believe in goodness yeah a hundred percent and i think that's a really good point like in the uh, social media age you know we don't we won't talk too much about like the body image things but it's definitely a play like in terms of seeing something and then believing that that a that's the end goal that's something that you want and that's something that's attainable and not understanding you know like what truly goes into building that physique yeah. and like how restrictive you need to be for how long and I think, you know, for a lot of, you've probably had them, we've definitely had them, you know, their expectation versus the reality aren't always aligned. Yeah, exactly right. You're listening to the Performance Hub podcast. No BS, no hidden agendas. And so if we go back to you talking a little bit about output uh, in terms of body composition. So I think one of the really um, key things we can touch on is for you, if you're trying to get uh, changes with a client, what are some of the things you're manipulating? Like, is it always going to be training first and foremost, or are you going to look at things, I know you alluded to steps or just output in other areas? Like, which do you yes. think is more valuable? So for me, I, I don't want to take a client's food down too low, uh, especially if, especially being a female, if it's a female as well. Like, you know, it's... Uh, not ideal from a, a health standpoint, like eating, you know, being in a deficit for too long isn't ideal. Obviously you stay in a deficit too long, you die, right? That's the definition of a deficit. Um, but what I try to do is it's like, well, we look at the two sides of the equation that we can manipulate. It's like food in and out, uh, sorry, food in and out and training. So instead of dropping food, well, let's increase your output. 
yeah. and see what happens. Um, and then that way we can actually gauge if you're actually training or not. Because <laughs> again, people think that they're training and it's like, well, you're probably not training as hard as you think you are. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in, increasing intensity in their training is one thing that I do if I can, um, if I'm controlling their programming. Uh, if I'm not, the things like getting steps in, potentially jumping on a, on a bike for 20 minutes a couple of times a week, that's also a health thing, um, you know, cardiovascular health. Uh, yeah these sort of things where I can play with their output. Uh, I might tell them to go for a walk, but it's like, I want you to go for an intense walk, not just a, a small, casual, chilled, you know, <laughs> stroll. Yeah. Like I want, I, I want you breathing by the end of it. Um, that sort of stuff. And then that way I can gauge week to week what their weight's doing and match it up with, you know, the actual output that I've suggested. And then the output that they're telling me that they're doing and be like, okay, well, something's not adding up here or this is working. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I like that. So to clarify, you're saying even for strength athletes, that cardio is good. Yes, cardio is good for everybody. <laughs> don't be stupid and think that it's not. Yeah, I like that. Unless think, you don't care about your heart. Yeah, well, exactly. People say that. Yeah, know, like, is, yeah. is, is cardio bad for gains? It's like, no, but heart attacks are actually really Probably bad for gains. Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, do strength training. Let's increase the, you know, the size of the wall in, in the heart. But yeah, let's not do cardio to, pen, to potentially mitigate that issue. Yeah. You know. Sure, whatever. You do you, boo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I like that. I think like what you touched on there, like is that um, idea, what do they call it? Like energy flux, right? So it's yeah. basically matching um, input output and, exactly. you know, we all know calories in, calories out. But it seems that in the fitness industry these days, like everyone's like, oh, well, you just got to go calorie deficit, calorie deficit, you just got to lower the food. And it's like, yeah, that's okay on a scientific level correct <laughs> but we can probably get much better outcomes for a longer period of time if we think about okay if we create a higher energy flux where we're basically doing more which means yep. we can eat more food and yep. still be in a uh, energy deficit so we're dropping yeah. body fat but we don't feel like shit all the time yeah. like that's going to be something we can do for a longer yeah. period of time and, and that's exactly what i wanted to create for my my clients it's just dependent on the client as well and if they're used to that sort of thing i think especially now the particular time that we're in here in melbourne with covid and all that sort of bullshit um it's a lot more tricky to get that uh, in but yeah, that's exactly my uh, approach would be increase output so I can increase your food and still keep you in that deficit until we cap. When we cap, it's like, okay, let's bring you back into a deficit. Maybe we'll go three or four weeks aggressive. Let's really drop some body fat. We should be able to mitigate a lot of those um, adaptions from like the negative adaptions because it's such a short period of time uh, from dieting and then, okay, let's bring your food back up and let's increase that cap. So now you've gone from 2,400 calories as your maintenance to 3,000 calories as your maintenance. It's like, shit. Yeah. Now we're having fun. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and it's probably a good message. Just if you, if you are listening, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't starve yourself. No. <laughs> <laughs> and if you are a coach, don't starve your clients. No, it's it's like, I think the biggest thing we nailed there is just sustainable more long term. You can hear to that. Um, yeah without yeah without sacrificing so much that you actually hate the process you've actually yeah. the best motivation is falling in love with the process and if you yeah, feel like you're starving right. yourself well then you're not going to do that for more than yeah a month yeah exactly um, and i think um yeah i think with people start to see the results that motivates them even more yeah um it's like i know with yeah i know with like my training like i'm, I'm at the opposite at the moment i've done my cut and i'm actually building i see size and i see growth and i'm like shit this is awesome i want to keep training um, yeah. And what I was dieting, it was the same thing. I'm like, oh, another couple of hundred grams or a kilo off the scale, you know, things pulling in. I'm like, 
sweet. Like uh, we're getting there. Like this is motivating, even though you feel like crap. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I think um, you've kind of touched on it there. The idea, you know, of the aggressive um, deficits too. Like I think in the in the fitness industry, you know, there's there's like fashion trends, like anything else, and you know, maybe there's a backlash to like you know your F45 eight week challenge where you're doing yeah. stupid shit. Um, the pushback was more towards like everything needs to be sustainable. Like everything needs to be sustainable. And like one of the things, like if you understand context, it's like, well, a calorie deficit by definition should not be sustainable or it isn't sustainable. Like as you said, like it's, it's restricting energy. So in your mind, like I already know the answer to this, but it's good because you're going to back up what we say. So it's going to be good. Uh, So do you think, there's benefits in doing the more aggressive cuts for the reasons that you just said, where the results are going to be faster, the motivation is going to be higher, and particularly, like potentially rather, adherence will actually be higher doing something harder for a shorter period of time. Yeah, so I think the easiest way to look at it, we're talking about um, adaptive stimulus, right? Well, how what, what's like the key for a stimulus to, to adapt? Time. So with dieting, it's t- mostly negative effects from a physiological standpoint, and they just accrue over time. So why would I prolong the process and make it, um, you know, give my client a a chance to end up, you know, really accruing these negative uh, adaptations from dieting when I can, you know, completely mitigate it by saying, okay, dude, this is going to suck. You're going to hate me. You're going to hate life. You're going to want to neck yourself, but (laughs) it's going to be four weeks, six weeks. We're going to diet hard performance isn't what we're looking for right now at this particular time it's body composition it's body change so that we can put you in a growth phase faster and let's go to like a higher percentage of um, a higher percentage of a deficit Mm. and get that going now would i do that with male and female probably not i do it with my males not so much my females females obviously require more energy for other hormonal processes and blah 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 blah. yeah no that makes a lot of sense and i think you know that's not us all saying you know everyone should go hard like it's obviously context dependent exactly. but it's just saying that you know sometimes there is a a, a time when it's appropriate and i think i even read a, a study or it might have been even just like a, a paper on it um where it was um basically looking at adherence for dieting and i think it might have been some of the rp guys that did it and they were looking at where people fell off the bandwagon with dieting yeah. and you know what we were thinking is oh the harder the deficit the more the dropout rate will be. But actually they found that duration was the biggest yeah, thing. It was the opposite. Yeah. So they found yeah. that like up until 12 weeks, everybody was reasonably okay. But anybody that tried to do like a really moderate deficit for like 16 weeks, the dropout rate was something like 60%. So 60% of people can't do it. So it's like, if we're thinking like, oh, what's best practice? It's like, well, if only for, if it only works for 40% of people, like maybe that's not the best approach. Yeah. Exactly right. And that's, yeah, it's always going to be context dependent, right? It's going to be based on the person, their mentality, the timeframes that they have, what they have access to and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. yeah, hundred percent. I think if we go here and I'm, we're going to make it hard for you, we'll just try and remove context and just, if we, we're just going to uh, we're answer the questions from the point of view of like the typical, right? So in your view, someone comes in, you have a new client or someone's just asking you for advice. They're like, Hey, Aaron, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm not happy with how I look. I'm not happy with how I feel. My energy levels are low. And this person's like 20, 25% body fat. 
Mm-hmm. And we'll say male, we'll give a male and a female example, maybe. Okay. So like, what would you think is like the best approach for that person? Like they come to you, like what's your like three quick steps you need to give them? Yeah. So if it's a male coming to me, that's, you know, 20, 25% body fat and saying that they have low energy, I'd just be telling them, give me a food diary. Dude, what did you eat for the last, yesterday, what did, write it down, send it to me, what did you eat? Oh, okay. Your food's quite shit. Your micronutrient profile is quite horrible. You're not actually eating enough variety of foods. Um, this potentially could be an issue. Try this for the next few days. See what happens. Oh, you feel better. Great. Oh, you don't. Okay. Well, the next step could be maybe we've got to get you up and moving a little bit more. You're sedentary. You're sitting at your desk all day. You're working. Maybe literally just getting in the sun <laughs> and enjoying a bit of life and, you know, get some fresh air might make you feel a little bit better. Uh, no, that didn't work. Okay. Well, it might be worth going to the doctors, go get some blood tests, see what's happening because there could be something else that's underlying that we don't know about yet. And, and it'd probably be the same approach for a female, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. And then in terms of, like, you know, like, you know, listen, I want to get in shape for summer. Like, the typical things that we kind of hear, like, I just want to be in shape and we're like, what does that mean? But yeah. let's just say they want, they want to drop some drop some body fat. Like, yeah. would you be saying, okay, in this case, the, the best um, approach is probably going to be a more aggressive um, deficit, like this person has some excess body fat, so you're not really worried about any adaptations from that? Yeah, so it'll also depend on the person's mentality, right? If they can handle an aggressive approach or a semi-aggressive approach. Um, if they can, then yeah, that'd be my best bet. It'd be literally, okay, dude, this is what we're going to do. Um, this is the reasons why we're doing it. And let's go. And yeah, for the reasons nice. that we expl- explained yeah, before. So with that, are you looking at certain things, Aaron, like in that individual, do they need to have, I guess, an underlying foundation of nutrition knowledge? Um, um, I so not really no. Yeah. Uh, I tend to try and educate the guys that don't have a nutritional background yeah. um, or any idea of nutrition as we're going along, and that's sort of also awesome. where the the macro tracking sort of helps. Um, it doesn't always. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, I, like I can pro- provide a, a food plan or like a, a, a sample day of food. I don't like to write food plans just because life gets in the way. Um, yeah. You know, I can give oh, you so. a seven day a seven day plan, but then you know your girlfriend's like, we're gonna go buy dinner. It's like. Shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're like, I forgot you yeah, yeah, right. It's like, oh, it's my anniversary. Fuck. <laughs> um, and then it sort of gets thrown, not thrown out the window, but obviously it changes. So it's like, Jeez, you know, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd rather teach you to, to have the ability to, when these things happen, how we can then get around these things to make life easier for yourself and still be in that deficit and still get results. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. I think um, if we go the flip side of that, like, what do you see as like the three biggest mistakes that people like not coaches because like if if they're shit coaches they're shit coaches um but if we the three biggest mistakes people make like not even prospective clients just people in general when they are trying to improve body comp drop body fat etc i think expecting the change to come real quick i think understanding that it takes time it's patience even with an aggressive cut especially the initial movements can take time um thinking that they're training or exerting more energy than what they really are. And then on the flip side, thinking they're eating what they're actually not. <laughs> so it's like, they're probably eating a lot more than what they think that they are. It's like, Oh, the age old, Oh, I'm in a deficit. And I'm not losing fat. Well, again, by definition, you're not in a deficit if that's the case and you are just either not tracking correctly or you're eating things that you just don't have an idea about that probably are energy dense. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And I think if we, kind of put it all together here when you're working with someone 
What are some of the things that you're measuring to assess whether or not they're making progress? Uh, so again, client dependent, if it was literally like a, a powerlifter coming in for a weight cut for their sport, um, it's just weight. I'm not too stressed about their body fat at that particular point in time, just because uh, weight on the bar is going to be more important than fat on their body, I guess, for that yeah, sure. time, uh, especially in prep. Uh, outside of prep, I'm always looking for body fat uh, percentages. Uh, like I want them to be lower or on the lower side for my males. And my females, still on the lower side for a female, but in the health range or healthier ranges for the females. Um, tend to use girth measurements most of the time because most people have a tape measure at home. Um, and we just use those weekly, fortnightly, depending on where we're at. And then, again, if it's a, a powerlifting client, it's just weight on the bar and progression on the bar, right? Yeah, nice, nice. Um, and then in terms of whether or not you're looking to, I guess, make a change, is it, you know, someone's weight hasn't moved, their girth movements are moving or haven't moved? Is it like a one-week thing, two-week thing? Like, what are we looking at? Very, very dependent. Uh, and it'd be if I have a client from week one, or let's say week three to week four, they haven't had any movement. Uh, I wouldn't change much from week four to week five. I may just simply say, hey, let's just exert a little bit more energy. Let's get... 2,000 more steps in each day, just pure curiosity, and then see what happens. Um, I don't like to change too much uh, if I can avoid it. Yeah, nice. I think that's probably a good message as well, like that don't freak don't out. Freak out. Yeah. Well, weight loss is, isn't linear where most people think it is. It's like over time, sure, it'll be linear. It should drop over time, okay. but it's not going to go like that straight away. It's going to go... <laughs> it's just going to trend in that. Yeah, yeah. 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 We, you know, we always say that. Like, we're looking for trends over time. We're not looking at for like, you know. And even when I think, you know, if I, if I throw numbers at people, it's like, oh, we want to drop half a kilo a week. That's not me saying every week you need to drop half a drop kilo. Half a kilo. That yeah. means like over the course of two months, if we got average out a half a kilo weight loss, then we're on track. Yeah, well, exactly right. And that's why I tend to take average weight per week so um with my tracking sheets it's like i take daily weight if i can and then I, I take an average at the end of each week or at the end of each um check-in and then just use the trend over the months or over the weeks and the months that come by and say oh look you started at 100 kilos and now you're 80 well there you go yeah, yeah. i like yeah. that um and then to i guess the final one you said at the start um you know if we focus on health then most things kind of align mm. which is mm -hmm. definitely what we do like feel like Especially once you, I mean, there's a time when like an aesthetic or a pop body comp goal is good. Um, and obviously if you compete in bodybuilding or something, then that's your primary goal. But for a lot of other people, like if we focus on improving, you know, output, like whether that's weight on the bar or time on the track or anything like that, and then we focus on health, like you just, you're not going to find many fat people that are improving <laughs> all those types yeah, of things. You know, pretty much, um, yeah. So in terms of that, like what kind of health markers are you looking for when you're working with clients? Yeah, so for me, the, I try to get the ones that most people would have access to. Mm -hmm. So most people, if not everybody, has a phone, for example. Um, you can check your resting heart rate. You wake up in the morning, your phone should have a health app. If not, you can download a health app. You put your finger on the back of the screen uh, where the camera is, the sensor most unless you have like a really old phone um, and it, it, gives, it gives you your, your resting heart rate. So you do that first thing in the morning, you know, even if it's not perfect, at least we can track that data over time. Yeah. Um, if I, if I can, I try to get blood pressure, blood pressure is a big one, um, blood pressure, resting heart rate. And then depending on the client and you know, if they're um, enhanced or not enhanced, I tend to get blood glucose and then yeah. it just gives me, and it gives me an idea um, how they're, 
uh, recovery is if they're not recovering well or if they are recovering well some clients i'll take i'll track their sleep i'll get them to track sleep using an app um so i can you know get that bit of extra data and then i have like a feedback type scenario where it's like a scale of one to ten we get perceived recovery scores and we get all that sort of stuff um it's a lot more subjective but at the same time it gives me an idea of where your head's at as a client yeah awesome that's awesome you know, you, by collecting that it's it's obviously going to be meaningful for you to actually give your client something and it's not just collecting data for the sake of it it's yeah. going to be meaningful in the long term yeah exactly well when i do my uh, check-ins and stuff i explain like the data and what it is and what I'm seeing and what I'm hopefully the client understands what I'm seeing. And that's yeah. why I'm doing it. It's like, well, it's like something as simple like for nutrition. Um, when people are in a surplus, uh, you give them a surplus and then I have a, a question. It's like hunger or appetite. It's like a score out of 10. Okay. So you're nine out of 10. You're hungry every day. Clearly you're not in a very <laughs> good surplus. Let's give yeah. you some more food. Uh, you're in a surplus and it's a four out of 10. Well, why would I change it? I don't need to give you more food. You're in a yeah. surplus. You still haven't hit that upper limit. Get your output out and then let's increase it. Yeah, I love that. Something, something so simplistic, yeah. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And it's that old saying too, right? Like what gets measured gets managed. Yeah, and I think that exactly right. for us, like when we're doing our screenings here, it's like, yeah, we want to take blood, uh, blood pressure mm -hmm. and resting heart rate because A, it's a great screening tool. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, if people are like, oh, I take blood pressure. I'm like, well, it's a really reliable predictor yeah. <laughs> of a lot of yeah. things. Long <laughs> but then yeah. it's like... <laughs> Also, it also um, becomes a measure in itself and people can set a goal based on that. And it's like, you know, for us, like, yeah, we can get someone shredded if we want, but like, if we take someone's blood pressure from like 140 over 80 to like 120 over 65, it's like, yeah. okay, cool. Long term, that's probably going to that's going to add a lot of quality to your life. Probably a few years onto your lifespan, yeah, um, exactly and that's right. the kind of outcome that actually matters at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah, and nine times out of ten, you bring someone's blood pressure from really high down to you know closer to normal ranges. You'll find that they're actually dropping potential weight, and if not weight, they're dropping visceral fat. And then there's like so many specifics we can get into, like visceral and subcutaneous and all that sort of stuff where you know that visceral side of stuff is um like related more so to the blood pressure and all that sort of stuff so it's like okay we bring those health markers in that internal problems that we're having seem to start to recorrect themselves mm. once they start to recorrect themselves the actual visuals and the aesthetic problems or the problems you think you have start to then correct themselves because you're healthier on the inside now you can do more now you're functioning better more efficiently it's just like a machine <laughs> yeah 100 percent. and it's like if you put it really simply it's like if your blood pressure is like under 120 and your resting heart rate is like in the 50s, you're probably not obese, like as a general rule. Um, you're probably gonna be in decent shape. And then it's like, you know, if we, if you are someone you said before, like where the energy levels are really poor, they're a high percentage of body fat, it's like, yeah, we wanna get the scale weight down. But then equally, if we bring these, they're probably gonna be related anyway. Like if you bring the scale weight down, these numbers yeah. will improve. And if you improve these numbers, the scale weight will improve. Yeah. Funny that. And then you look at like the, the mental aspect of it and the psychology of it. It's like, oh, now I'm getting results. Oh, I feel really good. Now I'm going to keep doing this. Oh, I'm going to do this. And this just keeps going around and around and around. Well, no shit. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And that's like one of the things we say, like, don't wait for the motivation. It's like yeah. the, the action creates motivation. Yeah, yeah. yeah, completely agreed. Awesome, man. Well, beautiful. That'll probably wrap it up from here. So before we let you go, mm -hmm. why don't you give yourself a bit of a plug? Let us know what you're currently working on and where where people can find you if they want to see more of Aaron. So 
literally just Instagram at Elite Strength Coach. Um, pretty straightforward. My brand's Elite Strength, but my actual Instagram handle is Elite Strength Coach. The brand came after the name. Don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> just want to. I, I do everything. I do everything backwards, you know. But anyway. Oh, I get to settle. What am? Yeah. What am I working? I'm actually doing a lot of female physiology at the moment. So I'm been awesome. for the last sort of six, seven months. Uh, I'm bringing out a cheat sheet for clients uh, and clients that come on board and I'll probably give it to some coaches and stuff just to get them to have a look like someone like yourself, Max and Carl and a couple other guys, just um, basics that females and even males don't know uh, about female physiology in the menstrual cycle. Um, So, but I want to make sure that that's sort of down pat and, you know, cross-reference it with some people just to be yeah, sure that it's you, right. You're a complete perfectionist. So I yeah, well, idea. I like, yeah, I like, you know, I just want to make, especially when it comes to like a touchy subject, like probably the menstrual cycle coming from a male is a bit more um, in your face, I guess, more so than, you know, if it was to come from a female coach, but at the same time, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I was trying to build a website, but that's way put on the back burner now because I can't be bothered. It's just like, I don't have, the, I like the, mental, don't have the mental capacity to try and build it. Um, a couple of podcasts I've been doing, which has been fun. That's about it, man. Work, train, eat, sleep, study. I don't really do much else. Repeat. Fantastic. I like it. Yeah, you know the drill. I do. (laughs) Well, we really appreciate you, mate, uh, giving uh, giving us your time, I should say. Uh, Appreciate Um, having me on. No, it's been great. And obviously, you're our first inaugural guest as well. So it's been uh, been an absolute pleasure. So you're either setting the bar real low. (laughs) Uh, We're kicking the straight away. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Getting desperate from episode two on or just not. I appreciate uh, it. We really appreciate it. Mate. So what we'll do is we'll, uh, we'll chuck all your uh, social media links and everything in our bio uh, yeah. so people can, can follow you there. Appreciate it. Awesome, mate. Thank you and take Thank care. You. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Performance Hub Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to see more Hub-related material, check us out and follow us on Facebook. The Performance Hub, Instagram, Performance Hub underscore Melbourne. Until next time, keep pushing the limits of human performance.